welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. This week on the show is the return of Bob German. Welcome, Bob. Hello, how you doing? It's good to see you virtually anyway. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, our listeners can't see us, but at least you and I can see each other. So that, that's great. It's it, like great to see you. I know uh, you were last on the show back when we were both in Branson, which uh, probably is not going to happen uh, for a while for either one of us. But no. uh, so, but in case folks haven't been listening that long, why don't you at least start by introducing yourself? Sure. So I am Bob German. I've been in the SharePoint and Office 365 developer community for a long time since the early days of SharePoint. And of course, you and I go way back. So it's fun to see you again, always. And, you know, I've always been on the developer side. So I'm a regular uh, listener of your podcast. And it's really a thrill to be here. So I guess I've, I'm a boomerang. So I'm at my, I work at Microsoft now in a new role, but I was, uh, I've been back for almost three years. And uh, so I, I worked at Microsoft and then I left and went to a partner and actually did consulting work relating to SharePoint and Office development, and then came back to Microsoft. And I'm glad you're there. So helpful. So I, I, since we were at Branson last time we chatted, we should please catch up to you. Do you still, what's your community involvement uh, these days? Well, it's become more virtual, obviously. <laughs> and I've done, <laughs> I've done, I, I guess in my old role was working with uh, partners. And so I did a bunch of workshops. And lately I've been doing some videos up on the Patterns and Practices YouTube channel. Um, I've got several Teams developer videos up there, and um, I was thrilled to be added to the PNP team last March, and uh, my job there is to curate samples from the community for PNP teams. So I'm happy to, to say that we're open for business now. So uh, it took a while. I'm learning. Uh, Hugo Bernier is my hero. He's, he's been helping me out with everything from, you know, how to do fancy GitHub stuff to kind of just the realities of of how to write the contribution guidelines so that you don't have to <laughs> ask for changes every single time, right? Uh, stuff like that. So I'm learning a lot. And uh, I would point everybody to aka.ms slash PNP teams, all one word, to check out the sample browser that Hugo uh, and I put together. And we're, we're trying to do is, is kind of consolidate all of this Teams application samples from both Microsoft and the community. So we only have a few from the community. Um, there's a there's a link there to the repo where you can submit pull requests and please submit your samples, everyone, and um, look over those contribution guidelines <laughs> um, to make everything go a little bit smoother. But um, also, we I'm collecting Microsoft samples. So I've got a bunch of samples from the bot framework and from Office Developer and from Teams and always on the lookout for those too, because they're kind of scattered around. It's the nature of Teams uh, being such a, a large, you know, it's a platform that is sort of surfaces so many different services and backing products inside of Microsoft that the, the little nugget you need might be in the bot framework, or it might be in the SharePoint framework, or it might be uh, something else completely. Uh, trying to kind of streamline that for people by bringing at least all the samples into one place into that browser. I wasn't aware of the, that samples initiative, so I'm glad you're doing that. That's great. I, I should probably go dig, look through my research folder and see if there's anything uh, noteworthy. So, oh, please <laughs> maybe, do. Maybe, yeah, we'll see what's there. But now, um, you know, and, and as you mentioned, all these different pieces where, where teams kind of 
Teams is embedded or Teams can can access. Uh, it brings us to like the subject of, of having you on the show this this week is that I know in in your work at Microsoft these last few years that you've talked about you've been working with customers and partners to help do some of their Teams. Deve- application development and yeah. so I want to just start with a, a broad question it says so when in your dealings with these customers and partners what have you find that has been helpful or pain points or I mean it's kind of a, an overarching question so let's just start with uh, what kind of things do you see customers building inside of teams that that maybe is has been very well received well it really is all about streamlining work and and collaboration. So if the I think the most successful apps are the ones that help people to collaborate and if you think about any business system or any cloud-based application that is used by more than one person, it's sort of you you want to start thinking about teams and you want to sort of think about the context uh, and threading the context. What I mean there is suppose you switch like us information workers, right? We're really good at flipping between applications. We've got um, multiple. Right now I'm talking to you on Teams and I'm recording on another app. So two apps, no problem, right? Is we're all used to this. The problem is that it's not just switching apps. It's that every app organizes its information differently. And so if somebody says, oh, go, you know, this customer sent me an email and or sent me a message and maybe you put that into Teams. OK, so they're you're at least into Teams now where you can uh, look that over with your your teammates and converse with your teammates. But now maybe you want to look up that customer in your CRM system. So you have to it's not just opening the CRM system. It's the fact that now you got to find that customer. Every time you open a new application, you kind of have to find where you are again in whatever it is you're trying to get done. So I think the most successful apps um, are the ones that take away that that uh, friction point and sort of allow you to follow the uh, context. So maybe you can click on the customer and it goes to the CRM system and brings that information right into view for you. Or maybe you pre- present a summary of the customer information in an adaptive card. Um, there's there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, the, the general idea is to, first of all, look at the work streams and how people are going to be working and eliminate the app switching, eliminate the need to go look up related information at every step of a process and then open it up to more than one person so that we can actually collaborate on it. That's really kind of of the theme, I guess, behind a lot of these. Um, um, you know, everything from bots that that remember the context of medical interactions or financial services interactions. Had done a number of projects in the education area. Um, I don't know if everyone's aware that there's a special version of Teams for education that has some cool additional features like assignments and class rosters and stuff like that built into it. So that's a great opportunity for applications to live there that the, that the students are going to use. You know, obviously is aware of the student and what assignments they've done or what they might need to do inside of that application to complete their work. You know, really, it just it's all about promoting collaboration and streamlining 
your productivity and your work and making it all kind of come together? I know that's kind of a general answer, but it's it was kind of a general question. I guess that's my excuse. <laughs> no, that's that, that, that's that, that's perfectly fine. And and that yeah, the success that we've seen is that getting the context of the team apply to these other systems certainly does help help the users to to do that. You mentioned that, you know maybe a bot does this or that, but what kind what kind of extensibility points do you see used most? Is it bots or is it tabs or is it a mixture of both or what, what, what's your experience been in that regard? I think it's probably tabs because they're easy and that, you know, one of the cool things about Teams apps is that you can tell that when they, when they designed Microsoft Teams, they designed it so that you wouldn't have to completely rewrite your app, right? Remember the old days in SharePoint? It'd be like, oh, you want to write your app in SharePoint? Sure, you got to use this language, this runtime, you got to compile it here, you got to install it there. There was like one way to do it and you either did it that way or you didn't write an app you know here it's like oh you have a website well make sure it works in an iframe you're done you know it's like i mean you got to put it in the app manifest and stuff but it's uh it's, it's a whole lot more straightforward than than a rewrite in most cases and the same thing with bots where you know the the bots are reusable. You could build a bot that works in uh, Facebook and, and Slack and Skype and Teams, and it's all the same bot, although some of the features might be different between those platforms. Yeah, that's kind of what I expected. There there are some areas where it's easy to get it onboarded and so on. And I know that, you know, we chatted a little bit before we hit the record button about the pain points on that. And I think I know what the pain, number one pain point is that you would say. So, so where, where do you find customers struggling or hitting a road? Roadblock in their teams at development, and do we have strategies or places to help them get past those roadblocks? Yeah. Well, before I get to the big answer to the, that you and I discussed before, it's actually related to the to the previous question. I sometimes see people, you know, choosing the the extensibility features for odd reasons. Like I had one one partner I was working with that you know they showed me their app, and it was like begging to be in a tab. It was like this is beautiful. Put it in a tab. And, and you know, they kept pushing back. We want a bot. We want a bot. Well, why do you want a bot? Well, finally it came out because our app isn't responsive. We know it would look really bad. And so we want to do a bot and, and we don't want to rewrite our whole app, you know, and, and, and vice versa. Sometimes people would... Um, put stuff in a bot that was kind of conversational or sorry, in a tab that was more conversational, but they didn't want to take the time to write a bot. So, you know, there are, there are sometimes challenges like that, that will lead people down a path. That's probably not the long-term best path, but anyway, uh, I, the big number one challenge I think is, um, is really around authentication and identity, uh, and authorization. They it's, it's, and it's partly just that it's, it's a complex topic to start with. And I know it might seem easy to you because I know it's kind of an area uh, of expertise for you. In fact, I've learned some stuff from you at, over the years uh, in that area. But part of the problem is I think each group inside of Microsoft is, is uh, documenting their own stuff. But in this case, like suppose you want to call the Microsoft graph from Teams, which you end up wanting to do a lot, right? Like if you're writing an app and you just want to know the details of one of the users, you got to go to the, the graph for that, right? So um, you're calling graph a lot, but in order to do it, you've got to get an access token from Azure AD. And, you know, it just says in the documentation, get an access token, right? 
fly to the moon. Why don't you just fly to the moon and, and grab an access token? No problem, right? And and then so then you're like the the poor developers digging through all the Azure AD documentation trying to figure out how to get an access token, and maybe they figured out, and then it's like, oh, but you're in Teams, you you can't get an access token. Your browser can't just use the usual method because it's in an iframe and Azure AD doesn't like iframes. So, you know, there's answers to all of this, but something I'm hoping to do in uh, in the near future, in fact, I was working on it just today, is it's either going to be a, a series of blog articles or maybe Microsoft Docs uh, official documentation, if I can swing it, that actually tries to, to address the end-to-end scenarios of just how do you call the graph from a Teams application? And there's like, four ways to do it from a tab and two ways that I can think of to do it from a bot. And you know, how do you choose which way? And, and you know, lots of fun. Actually, I, I actually literally think it's fun, but hoping to save some, some uh, developers out there a lot of pain that I can tell. Like today, I got one question about it. Yesterday, I got three questions about it every day, literally every day. Some developer somewhere is stuck on something and it ends up being auth related, even if they didn't think it was auth related. How come I'm getting this error back when I try to call the graph? How do I get to that? You know, how do I get to this information or that information? And, you know, it's it's part of the deal. Yeah, I, I like to hear that feedback that you're, you're giving because this, I like to say this is, you know, the edges or the seams between different products is where things get get a little, ske- I don't want to say sketchy, but less documented, right? I mean, if I have a web page to get a token, I can do this. But if I'm in Teams, the user's already logged in. Why can't I reuse their login? Is what people kind of ask. So I love the fact that you're 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 in this space. And you mentioned you're you you're in a new role at Microsoft, and I think this might be part of filling in that gaps, right? So why don't we give a little bit of background around what this what this new role is? And there's there's a collection of you folks that I see moving in here. Maybe you can give us a little insight as to what to expect from there. Yeah, I, I will as best as I can on week number three. Like this is. Uh, not only is it week number three for me in the role, but it's week number three for this team to exist. Um, it's So it's really exciting to be in the ground floor. So um, Azure has had a developer advocacy group, uh, cloud developer advocates, for some time. Um, last fall, they added a whole team uh, for Power Platform. And on July 6th, they bootstrapped uh, the team that I joined on July 6th, which is a Microsoft 365 development uh, team. And we're specifically going to focus on Teams App Dev, Microsoft Graph, and um, Fluid Framework as the three main priorities we've been we've been given. So um, I'm really excited about it. I, I know uh, my managers are talking about end-to-end experience. And, you know, we actually have somebody who joined the team uh, from outside of Microsoft and has got a ton of development and collaboration app experience on other platforms. And it's just awesome because guess what? Her first job is to go figure out how to write a Teams app without any of us helping her. She's like refusing help because she wants to know what's it like if you just come in off, you know, from another another ecosystem. That's that's excellent. You're, you've got the chops <laughs> as a dev, but you're trying to figure out how to do it in Microsoft land. She's writing down all the challenges and pitfalls and it's and we're going to take note of that and try to fix all those as, as much as we can. So I'm psyched. I mean, it's 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 like a com it's a combination of um, writing and 
video, making videos, uh, code samples, etc. So um, I, until we get a formal process, my self-imposed first project is, um, and I'm actually collaborating. I I convinced one of my teammates to jump in because uh, actually because she she knows uh, some pieces of this that I don't, and she's and she's really brilliant. Uh, her name is uh, Aicha Bas, and she's based in Dubai. And she just published a, an, a blog article yesterday about how to use the Graph Toolkit in a Teams tab to authenticate and access uh, some information from Graph. And, uh, you know, I'm working on um, an SSO, you know, the new Azure AD SSO, and um, I've got a SharePoint framework sample ready to go, and I'm um, an MCEL sample and just kind of, and that's just tabs. It's going to be four scenarios and hopefully take people from end to end on, you know, from like, all I know is I want to show the user's calendar on a screen or something. And how do you get, you know, how do you choose one of these paths? And then how do you get there really given maybe, you know, JavaScript? Yeah, yeah, that's, I can see that there being a lot of benefit for folks on that. E even in conversations I've had with folks, it's around, well, I have this web page that is my backend system, and I, how do I get that into Teams? You mentioned I could just throw it in an iframe, but how do we get to that sweet spot that you described before? So I'm really looking forward to getting some of that feedback on that. That's that's great. And what is the name of that that group, that that team? Or are we going to, what should folks look for when they're going to? Well, our team is the, I, I guess we're part of Cloud Developer Advocates. You can recognize us because we have these cute little raccoon mascots. And uh, there, there's there's a ton of stuff out there from uh, the Azure folks have been at this for a while. Uh, the Power Platform folks just did a, a, a big conference that was a big hit. Um, and so now we've got a hard act to follow, actually. we got to get make an impact on, on the uh, M365 world. Well, we'll certainly keep our eyes peeled on that. And then, what other what other types of technologies do you do you have you seen or come across that you think could be helpful for folks working on this? Is it really just make sure you know your your web development skills, or are there other things out there that you've seen that are that are really can peak developers' uh, productivity? Yeah, there are. I think. For one thing, there's a whole low-code track, um, which is Power Apps and Power Automate are definitely low-hanging fruit there, where you know they already have built-in integration with Teams, and so there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, and bots, of course. Now, bots are, and and I know you know about this too, so it's kind of funny to talk to you about it because I'm like, well, Paul already knows this <laughs> stuff, but. Uh, <laughs> For anyone out there who, who isn't familiar, building the conversational bot is is actually, you know, there's a lot going on there and actually, actually kind of being aware of your audience because the way you would build a bot from a usability standpoint for uh, interacting in a Teams channel is actually different from one-on-one. -on -one. And one-on-one, -on -one, you can go back and forth and have an interactive conversation with the bot. But if you're in a group of people, the bot is going to get confused really quickly. And so you probably want to use adaptive cards, um, and which is another great technology that, that layers into there. Uh, but anyway, bots, I think from that's that's a big learning curve. It was for me anyway, uh, the bot framework and you know how to use dialogues and bot state and uh, Lewis and all that kind of stuff. And then from the low code point of view, the low code, our, our low code friends have been sort of doing Q&A maker bots for a while. So if you're, if you're not familiar, Q&A maker is, um, it's a cognitive service that it's based, actually search based. You put in a bunch of questions and answers, and then the user types a question in plain language, and it uses search technology to go find the matching question and answer and show the answer back to the, return the answer back for the user. 
or predict the most likely answers. Actually, it's all probabilities. But a new product just came out on G8 at Build called Bot Composer. And I'm really excited about that. In fact, uh, Stefan Visser was on the um, PNP community call just last week um, demonstrating this. Um, and that's a low code technology as well, where you can build bots visually on the screen and just kind of lay out what triggers the bot, what are the different flows and logic inside of the bot. It uses something called an adaptive dialogue, which is more flexible than the traditional dialogues we had. So you can kind of interrupt it and it knows what to do. You don't have to think of every possible um, sequence up front. So that's a, that's a pretty exciting one too. That's another uh, pet project that I'd like to do is try to do some some more on that because I think it's a real gold mine for the low code and the full code uh, developers really to build powerful solutions. Yeah, my favorite bit about that composer stuff that you mentioned is those interruptions because you know I'm a developer and I have my my flow chart in my brain of step one, step two, step three, step four, and when you distract me, <laughs> where was I again? Right, so I can imagine that uh, uh, being able to do that in code is really helpful. And then you know, kind of tying that back into Teams where it does the collaborate, it's it's for collaboration. Do you think there's a spot there where low code slash power users are collaborating with developers to get solutions deployed? Does it work that way? Well, it does. Uh, I think I've found that it does, and I guess I have to go back to my consulting experience more than the partner experience. Because so my just to be clear to the audience, right? My current job now is the new developer advocate team, but the last two and a half years or a little more, I was with one commercial partner, so I was working with partners, and it's in, it's. So I didn't get to see all of the pain, you know, or all of the things that they went through. I can tell you though, from when I was working in a startup consulting company, you can attack a problem from low code and sometimes you get the whole thing done and you're happy. Sometimes, we used to call it the brick wall. I would get a phone call from one of my colleagues, oh, so-and-so hit the brick wall. And what that meant was that they were, now that this was in the day of um, InfoPath and, and SharePoint Designer. So it's gotten way better since then. Probably don't hit the brick wall very, you know, nearly as often now. <laughs> But, it, you know, what the brick wall meant was we need a dev to come in and build a custom action uh, to build something, some custom uh, extension for InfoPath, whatever it was. Because, the you know, the, that's the thing about low code. You get, you get a lot more done, a lot faster, but you have to kind of fit into the framework that you're using and it's not quite as flexible. So if you want to do something, it doesn't doesn't do it. An example of that might be building a uh, custom uh, UI component for Power Apps. I know you can do it. I haven't tried it yet. Looks like fun. But, you know, if somebody wants a certain presentation, you can do it in Power Apps, but you do need uh, to go from low code to, to code for a while to get that, that working, right? Uh, but I love low code because um, I think it empowers people, you know, and I actually, I'm not just saying this to be corny. I actually believe in my company's mission statement about empowering everyone. Um, there's nobody closer to the business and the actual problems being solved than um, the citizen developer or the low code developer, right? You could call in the, the, the best developer in the world and have them interview a bunch of users and decide what to do. And you could show those users every day, every week in your sprint review or every two weeks, what, what you've built and get the feedback and follow all the agile best practices. And it's still not gonna be as close or as flexible as a citizen developer who's sitting at lunch with 
you know, their colleagues and saying, so how'd you like that power app I put put together? And oh, yeah, it's great. You'd be great if you did this. And then like after lunch, they do it. You know, it's it's way more responsive, way more innovative in some ways. And so I love that that Teams apps and Power Platform and these other technologies actually SharePoint's another one, right? You can SharePoint page makes a great Teams app. You can uh, just put anything you want on a SharePoint page. And um, I got an article on my blog actually about it. There's uh, a way of a little technique of making what's called a, a Teams app manifest, which is basically the the uh, document that tells uh, you upload this to Teams one way or another, or you get it from the Teams app store. And, um, and it, it tells Teams where everything is in the app, right? And so if you say, there's a, uh, a SharePoint page over there that I want in a tab. Uh, there's a couple little nuances to it, but it's pretty pretty straightforward. And anybody who can build a SharePoint page now can build an app. Wow, that's powerful. Anyway, I love that stuff. No, that, that's exactly right. Built into Teams is the, well, there's, there's an app to build apps. I can't remember what it's called, App Studio maybe or something, right? App Studio, yeah. Yeah, so, so if, if you've built a SharePoint page and you have the web part on there or whatever that, that your team needs, why not? Why, why do I have to call a developer just to create an XML file if I could go through and do that simply? That's great. And, and I second your, your thoughts on that. Those, having those power users build what they, what they need and then calling in a developer when they get to the brick wall or just before they fall off the cliff is is great. Yeah, I, I used to joke I didn't want to ever do workflow to development because the workflows would change seven times in an hour. <laughs> and so you just go tell the power user, you go do the workflow. And when you're st- you're done, let me know and I'll come and I'll import it and, and fix it up. So that, that's a great approach. Yeah. That's a great example of kind of an iterative approach because I've never, no offense to any of the business users I've worked with over all these years, but the, you can't, I don't think it's humanly possible to get it right the first time, right? You're, you think you know what their workflow is and then you're going to go, oh, right, there's this exception or there's this uh, extra step that we were just doing, but we weren't really thinking about it. Next thing you know, you've got changes and changes. You know, the other interesting scenario that, I, that comes to mind actually about Teams apps is um, first line workers. I remember when I was with a consulting company, we actually did a number of engagements that were for, usually it was for large companies, right? And they want to give their employees an, a company app. So you join XYZ company and okay, you're a Contoso employee, uh, go install the Contoso app on your phone and everything is there. Right. Well, those apps typically need some form of communication because uh, whether you're in retail, hospitality, maybe you're on uh, the, fl- the the nursing floor of hospital ward, um, you know, all kinds of different professions, they need to collaborate. And so that stuff is built into teams, obviously. Right. You can have your your scrum and your team meeting and you can do there's a thing called shifts where you can schedule the shifts all built in. Teams makes a great platform for building those apps that we used to build from scratch. And you can write the app once and it works on both iOS and Android. And it gives the the employee something that they can install once. They don't have to be super technical. You put your HR stuff up there. You can put your uh, whatever you know line of business things that that user is going to need every day. And the communication is built in. That's another pattern I've noticed in in a lot of the with a lot of the partners I worked with was that they were targeting those first line workers. 
that's the one area that that to me seems to be uh, quite different. You know, you we you talked earlier about how teams excels when I work. We have a group of t- people who are collaborating and getting the information they need. But then when you you transition into this company wide communication or or first line workers, do you see that being something that as, as a developer I need to be aware of, of that I'm targeting a, a bigger group or does it have you found that it doesn't matter? Folks just find a way to 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 distinguish it. Uh, it's it's more in the ideation side, I guess. I mean, the developer, right? Like, if you write, if you're writing a React app, um, you, you know, by the time you get down into the weeds, you're it's the same. The coding is the same, right? But a lot of it has to do with just expectations and thinking of things. Like, if you think back to Microsoft's original mission statement, I'm going on the mission statement today, I guess. Uh, but uh, you know, a computer on every desk and in every home, right? Who was left out? Oh, anybody who doesn't have a desk, I guess we just don't care about them, right? You know, sometimes I do brainstorms in front of, you know, in a, in a workshop environment and just start writing down all the professions and occupations that don't have a desk. And you know what? They're really important. They're, everyone that goes up there is like critical to like society operating a lot of them are the ones that are having to uh you know be those essential workers during covid having to deal with all those additional challenges um those people have been left out for years you know of of all of the productivity improvements and conveniences and awareness visibility that we information workers have been enjoying for a while so i think part of the biggest thing is just thinking of it like hey wait a minute that person who just walked down the hall who doesn't have a computer on their desk because they're constantly on the move or they're working you know doing something with their hands or whatever that person they're really important. You should empower them with the information they need, and and help them to collaborate and and share with their with their teammates as much as possible. So I think it's a new, it's just kind of a new way of thinking. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but just listening to you to, during that answer about the the different roles uh, that I, even in my family there are people who don't have a desk like I do. So that's great stuff for. Food for thought, so to speak, right? And I think it's worth for developers to try to be empathetic to that type of of role that maybe they're just on a phone or a tablet instead of, you know, like me with the big widescreen monitor, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Or they're, or maybe they're traveling around yeah. all the time to, you know, to do field service calls. Or maybe they're, I mean, there's so many different occupations that, that fall into that category. And and so the other the thing that pops into my mind when considering those roles is that boy now I have to make sure stuff works on all different platforms. And so have you much experience in in building things inside of teams that are running on mobile devices and or browsers and or the full desktop clients? Yeah, and I mean it's it's not it it keeps getting better. Like there were some Teams extensibility features didn't work on mobile right away, and they they've been doing a pretty good job of filling that in. SharePoint framework tabs, for instance, were not, and no, I'm pretty sure that they work. I know that it works on my iOS device. I think it works everywhere. So yeah, I think we're we're filling that in, and a lot of it is just um, making it responsive or thinking about what happens if it's a smaller screen. Sometimes a bot actually saves the day for that, because especially maybe you're hands free, and you just want to be able to talk to your phone. Well, most of the phones, even if Teams doesn't have this built-in uh, speech-to-text right now, you don't need it. It's already in your phone. Why reinvent the wheel, right? Just push the button on your phone and talk to the bot. You know, put in your your hours or the result of the 
of the medical test you just did or whatever it is, right? And get that that stuff done. I don't know, but the medical test might not be realistic because it's probably going to go into a, a, a special EHR system, blah, 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 blah. But you know what I'm saying? It's it just in general, there's <laughs> there's a lot of bots are really good for, for those mobile devices because they it's more conversational. That Those are fascinating ideas that certainly have got me going back to saying, hmm, what gaps do I have in my app? So, so thanks for thanks for all that. So, for folks who have questions or other feedback for you, what's the best way for folks to reach out and get in touch with you? Since we aren't necessarily at conferences face to face. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's see. I'm on all the major social platforms, and so at Bob One German on Twitter is probably the one that I check the most. Um, but I'm also on LinkedIn, and um, I've got a blog at BobOneGerman.com. You know, lots of options. Uh, GitHub. Bob German there too, and and the PNP stuff is there. So uh, I'm looking forward to interacting with developers around that those samples, and getting some some really interesting. I already got a couple of really interesting pull requests. So uh, it's very exciting to see what people come up with. I, likewise, and I and I would imagine you're uniquely positioned between the community and. Microsoft itself to so if folks are struggling or have a gee it'd be nice to have a XYZ uh, getting that in front of you might be uh, helpful for all of us so I encourage folks to reach out with any of your ideas and and sharing is caring as PNP likes to say and I really appreciate you taking the time again it's uh, sorry it's been so long since we touched base uh, but uh, this is great stuff thanks a lot for coming on the show oh thank you thank it's always a treat to be on the show and it's always a treat to see you as well so thanks Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 